Welcome to the Film Geezer's Halloween Special. Hello, welcome to the Film Geezer's Podcast. I'm Robbo. I'm joined as always by Cheeto. Hello. And today we have a special guest, uh, Super Soups. If you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about where we can find your stuff. Hello, uh, I'm Soup and I make TikToks at the moment and slowly branching out into uh, YouTube and Twitter and other platforms to sort of get my, get my page out. Um, at the moment, I'm making like movie trivias, reviews, edits, stuff like that, just to sort of find other people with the same interest and sort of get a following from that. Yeah, we'll put a link to your um, TikTok on this episode, so check that out. It's worth worth looking at. So today, as it's Halloween, we're going to do a Halloween special all about horror films. So first, before I start, I'm just going to do a brief history of horror in film. So kind of horror first became big in the sort of 1920s and so 2030s was the golden era of era of horror films and they were mainly based on literature so like dracula frankenstein or on kind of traditional stories and superstitions like the wolfman then you had 50s it was post second world war the atomic age so that's when you had you know films like godzilla born out of that era mutations space you find sources aliens 60s continued with that really um that was the kind of the early um early foundation of the slasher film um late 60s you had like the zombie films um night living dead first real kind of i suppose era for slasher films was the 70s because that's when we had the texas chainsaw massacre halloween into the 80s with nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th but also in the the sort of seventies and eighties, that's when we had the occult um, that obviously mirrored the interest in the occult in the eighties. So you had the Omen, amateur horror, all to do with sort of demonic possession of people and houses, poltergeist, for example, as well. And really beyond that, sort of nineties was a bit of a lull for horror, and there's no real original. I don't think. Well, there was Stone Scream. Anymore. Yeah, exactly. Scream. I was about to say, there was one film in the 90s that completely reinvigorated horror. Um, but once that died down, really, modern horror movies are sort of a mishmash of, of films of yesteryear. Mm. Um, the only real notable proper director I can think of who's maybe doing sort of original content is Jordan Peele. Um, obviously, with like right. Get Out, Us, yeah. Nope. But apart from that, it's. it's really the same shit really so yeah I agree yeah so the format really today is I think we've we've all picked five films that we want to talk about um, and I think we're going to start with some honourable mentions is that right yep three honourable mentions each so okay do you want to we'll, we'll let Sue go first <laughs> okay. Okay. Our guest. right so <clears throat> my honourable mentions uh, number three I've got 1985's Return of the Living Dead um, so it's a zombie film that sort of came off of the hype of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead and um, sort of the zombie films of that age. It's directed by Dan O'Bannon, starring Clu Gulerga, James Caron and Tom Matthews. And um, have you have you seen it recently or? No, I've not, I've not seen it. I, 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 it's one of those ones where I'll get around to doing it, I'll get around to watching it, but mm. um, no, because I, obviously I heard it was one of your favourite movies, I just haven't got around to watching it yeah. yet. So. I think it's it's just like one of those movies that I've seen so many times that it's it's gotten sort of better with age now. Yeah. Like it, if you watched it for the first time expecting a good zombie film, you'd be 
sort of bitterly disappointed, but I think it holds up now, especially in sort of practical effects, music, um, sort of atmosphere. I'd say the only thing that you, you sort of slip up on nowadays is the acting's a bit, it's like they're meant to be teenagers, but they're in their 30s, so they just sort of... When you, all you need to know is this uh, 80s movie, uh, 80s zombies movie, and you can tell what type of acting it's going to mm-hmm. be, but I suppose you don't watch zombie movies for the the Oscar-winning acting no. here, so... I, I mean, I, I watched it sort of expecting the gore, and that's what we got. It was it was definitely gory. I know it caught, um, was a bit of actual thing about the movie. I know it's very unique in terms of the zombies can interact and speak, can't mm-hmm. they, with the living, which is yeah, something you don't really see. They've got much. IQ in this one, so they sort of um, they call other people. Or like, uh, there's a scene where they they've harassed the or they've killed these paramedics and they call on the backup they send send more paramedics just so they can um sort of eat them yeah but they the zombies in that film they eat brains for a reason it's not it's not just like um George Romero's where they just sort of shuffle and they just eat everything they eat it because uh it's the pain of being dead which I thought was actually quite good yeah I'll get around to watching it one day yeah right your next one then uh, my next one is Child's Play 2. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's um, 1990, I believe. Yeah. I um, it is, yeah. Directed by Don Mancini, starring Alex Vincent, Christine Elise, and uh, Brad Dorif. Um, it, it's one of those films I think's better than the original. It's yeah. the, the sequel treatment where it's... Is there a, there was a word for that or is it just... I don't know if there's a term for... Um... I've heard some people like use it like it's called the, the Empire, obviously for Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back, but yeah, I, I agree. It's it's probably one of the movies that's better than its its, it's um prequel sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I just think it sort of builds on everything um, that Charles Play uh, built up, mm-hmm. um, sort of the lore and whatnot, and then also, I mean, you can't talk about Charles Play Two about the last sort of act of the movie. Yeah. It's, one of the best in slashes. That, that's what made my made it make the list. Yeah. I think, or the honourable mentions. It, um, that, that setting in the toy factory is sort of probably one of the most iconic in definitely the series, but yeah. uh, horror as a whole. If you think of that, it, uh, I'd, if you thought of an ending of a film, I'd think that would be up there. Yeah, I completely agree. Should I do my next yeah, one? Last my last one. one? Yeah. My last one is Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, which is a uh, it's 1986, I believe. That's I might as well speak it with yeah. you because that's my um, that's one of my honorable mentions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Friday Thirteenth is a film franchise that's not going to win sort of any Oscars, is it? But um, obviously, Halloween. I always describe it as Halloween. Open the door. Friday the Thirteenth. Kick the hinges mm-hmm. off. Sort of. Uh, basically, um, what's his name? creator of Friday the 13th Sean S. Cunningham yeah he basically saw what John Carpenter did with Halloween he was like what we're going to do that um, and Friday the 13th is sort of it heightened the gore and everything mm. and whatnot. and then of course you had five movies of lore before this uh, it's safe to say kind of I think this is the one that doesn't take itself seriously no exactly which and is why it's the best it's almost, it's almost a bit of a comedy as yeah. well isn't it you know and it's also um, people praise Wes Craven in the 90s for being meta but this film did mm. it 
before anyone else really yeah in a high profile movie this one is different I, th- I think out of how many are there is there 13 12 out of all 12 films I think it's the only one that's not got nudity in it which is a bit of a weird one <laughs> usually they've got to have like yeah. this, the, the staple kill of like what is that well, we'll find a 13 if you're having sex and you want to get killed basically yeah. but no I, I, actually, I generally think it's really good and this is my favourite Tom Matthews is my favourite Tommy as well mm-hmm. um it just seems like he's just pissed off and he's at his he's wit's end with, yeah. with Jason and plus this is the first film with zombie Jason as well where he has like yeah, is supernatural powers and whatnot yeah. and he's just an absolute beast in this um, but yeah the, the main thing I take away from this because it was hard because it was either part four or part six part yeah. four is also considered one of the best it's much more darker Ted White's a really good um, Jason but just the fact that it is meta and it did it what like a decade before West uh-huh. Craven attempted it you just got I um I think that was sort of the original Scream if you, if if that come out if Scream had come out before then you'd be saying that it's yeah. just copying it but yeah they're, they're quite meta in, in the sort of how they they have fourth wall breaks and just comedy yeah. and a slasher film and all that and the characters are kind of smart in it as well yeah. they know that they're in a horror film what's nice as well is, is they actually like sort of they have some sort of transparency which you can't say in most other Friday 13th no. movies like part 7 is terrible with characters but um, yeah I, I fully agree I think it's probably the best one mm. um, obviously Home Depot Jason isn't it is the yeah <laughs> that's the best one with, with the utility belt <laughs> yeah and, and the, the gloves um, so Robo do you want to go into your honourable mentions now uh, yeah so my first one is um, it's a British horror film from 2002 called Dog Soldiers yeah I don't know if you've seen that. No. It's a kind of modern werewolf film. Um, written and directed by Neil Marshall, um, starring Sean Pertwee, and it's essentially um it's about a group of soldiers who were dropped into Scotland on manoeuvres against a group of SAS uh, and they realise that they're being used as bait to lure in these werewolves because mm. um that's that's what the SAS there is to either capture or kill them. They find the SAS uh soldiers all murdered or killed sorry they managed to find it make their way to a farmhouse and realize that the farmhouse is actually owned by this group of werewolves or the family actually live there are the actual werewolves and so yeah it's just um it's an interesting take on on the whole werewolf thing um and it's it's worth watching if you get a chance to i've been lucky enough to lay my eyes on this yeah it's it's, really it's a typical kind of low budget horror film but yeah. it, it actually is probably better than a lot of oh yeah 100% yeah um, it's nice because you see a lot of um, obviously us being British you see a lot of sort of legends in this film as yeah. well don't you um, yeah it's re- just a really good film isn't it? yeah it's just really entertaining like that's the one thing I can take away from it yeah because um, he went on to make um, Hellboy actually uh, direct Hellboy 2019 okay so, so remake. yeah so yeah it's kind of launched his career as yeah. a director hmm uh, yeah. Next one is you know I love the original Universal horror films, yeah. so it's very difficult to pick one. But I'm going to go for Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. Yeah. Obviously Frankenstein, great film, but I think Bride of Frankenstein, unusually for a sequel, is actually better. Yeah. And I think the reason is um, that it's it's kind of it's com- uh, James Well intended it to be actually a comedy mm. horror film, and there is a lot of um, I don't know if you, you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. So it is, yeah. So basically, um, Frankenstein's created this monster, and so the monster wants a mate. 
So he works with Dr. Pretorius to basically create a, a bride for the monster. Mm. And in the end of the film, it's quite sad because the actual bride rejects the monster and then he ends up killing himself and her. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, that's it. But yeah, I just think it is. It's, yeah, it's films of those era I think probably looking looking at it now from, from today it's not particularly that scary but I remember as a though, kid it takes me you, yeah. when you watch those type of movies from that year, those years you just got to appreciate what yeah. they did for horror so definitely yeah yeah so and then my last one is I think I covered it in our last Halloween special was Blair Witch Project which looking at it now again but it, it was the first it was a pioneering film because uh, it was the first really one to use the found footage yep. and it, it kind of launched that whole um, the whole genre um, and if you don't know it's about a, a group of um, filmmakers going to make a documentary about this Blair Witch and they end up uh, camping in the woods they end up coming across um, I think disturbing a, a, a it's like a, it's like a burial yeah it's like a, some burial ground yeah. and disturbing that and all this thing stuff starts to happen because there's kind of two stories there's one about this old guy who would take kids up to his cabin and kill them and then the Blair Witch as well have you ever seen it? Uh, I've not seen it I have seen bits of it oh, not recently no. um, and there's uh, strange stuff starts to happen you know they hear noises and voices out in the woods um, they seem to get lost you know they're, they're mm. walking around for ages and seem to end up in the exactly same place they started um, so yeah, it's it's it was actually marketed as a documentary, um, and I think that's like I say it, it pioneered the sort of found footage yeah. film. Mm -hmm. So that this so it's always hard when you get films that are, like we said pioneer a genre because people don't realize how uh, like good they actually were. Yeah. Like you know, um, people are like, oh, it's been done to death, but this was the film that really did yeah. start the found I mean, footage. It's a, as a low budget film, I mean, it, what was it? It was made for between two hundred thousand and five hundred thousand dollars, and made two hundred forty eight million. Yeah. So you can't deny that. Yeah. You know. I, f I think as well the fact that loads of people didn't actually know if it was real or not. Yeah. Sort of it helped. Because that's how it was first really to use the internet for marketing yeah. as mm -hmm. well. Um, they set up a website and, and it was uh, it was marketed as like a missing person kind yeah. of documentary. Well, it's very clever, Mark. Yeah, it is. Exactly, yeah. yeah, I can just say that this film scared the fuck yeah. out of me when I was younger. Yeah, because I once again, I when I was, when I was little, I thought it was real. Like yeah. they use, mm -hmm. they they don't use big budget like yeah. um, film cameras, do they? It's no. just like a shitty little digital camera. Yeah, I'm guessing this is why paranormal activity became yeah. a thing. Yeah, and obviously there's no 100%. there's no big actors in it. They're all they were all unknowns yeah. mm. as well, which again is is used to to. Mm. Carry on that idea. That yeah, well, if you had like Tom Cruise and yeah, people exactly. like that, bollocks, isn't it? You know, yeah, that yeah. didn't happen to him. Um, unfortunately, the sequels to that are, are absolute, yeah. and the remake. I think there was a recent remake, and unfortunately, yeah. is dog shit. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah that's my right, nice. three. Yeah. Right, uh, my first one mention is uh, World War Z, and yeah, that's good because I love uh, zombie flicks. I wanted to add at least one, uh, put it in my own mentions, and. Uh, it's, it's first off, it's you look like I was just gonna something. say, right? What I liked about this is the zombies move really, really not they're not the lumbering kind yeah, of I zombies don't. you get in the traditional, they're not like Romero zombies, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, they're like they're, they're from like 28 days, yeah, 
later yeah. or something. They're so. called Runners, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's directed by Mark Forster and uh, stars Brad Pitt, and he's, he works for the UN, and they bring him in to try and solve the zombie situation. And what's really good about this is it's not just another zombie flick. They sort of uh, change it a bit, and it's, it's actually the zombies need a, a healthy host, so they don't go after anyone with, with sort of cancer or anything like that. And uh, he sort of finds out, out this in this brilliant scene where uh, they're in an airplane and they crash uh, in Wales and they crash outside this sort of like um, science, I don't know what you call it, like a research facility. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the main, like you said, the main thing about this is, is just, I love it because it's runners. I, I think it adds so much more tension. Because mm-hmm. um, this is the thing, with, you've got to appreciate so I think it's the way he gets right. He actually purposely gives himself a disease, yeah, doesn't he? I think he? he gives himself tuberculosis. Yeah, or so something. the the zombies don't go after. Him. Yeah, and he actually risks his life to uh, prove that. Well, it's a, brilliant, it's a brilliant scene <coughs> where this research facility is 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 like sort of chopped up into two, and there's this one long corridor, and they've sort of um, barricaded themselves in one half, and it's it's Peter Capaldi, I believe, is the yeah. mm. the main guy. And Brad Pitt has to walk across to the other end where there's all the Z's, and uh, it's just this really tense sort of sequence where he sort of, in trying to find the um, medicine, he, he sort of finds out that yeah, you you need to be a healthy host, and it's just a really good film. Like I said, it it there's been a sequel been announced for years now, like ten years or so. It's the Gladiator Two treatment, mm. and it's meant to be um, David Fincher doing it. So <laughs> okay. I don't know where they're going to take it, but no, I just really love this film because it's it's. Um, I mean, there's so many good sequences. Like you got the the whole um, Israel scene, which is brilliant, where they've sort of walled their whole city in. Is that when they're climbing up? Yeah, the they're like using each other. Yeah, and so they, they're smart as well. They're yeah. not just like dumb zombies walking about. Um, you also got like the planes and stuff. It's just a really good movie, mm. and it's it's sort of not too far fetched that that maybe it could happen, you know. But yeah, yeah. It's just a really really good film and one of my favourite zombie flicks of all time. Obviously, I've done Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, mm-hmm. and then my <laughs> this was on my list last year, but it's Evil Dead Two. Now yeah. I love I love the whole trilogy. Mm-hmm. I thought Evil Dead One is brilliant. I thought obviously Army of Darkness is brilliant. Uh, Evil Dead One, you can it kind of it's it's good, but you can kind of see that one is Sam Raimi's first movie, and two, he didn't have anywhere near the budget for what he wanted mm-hmm. to do. I mean, Darkness sort of goes off the rails and does its own thing, but I just think Evil Dead Two's probably the best one. Definitely, yeah. Bruce Campbell, of course, is, as Ash is always brilliant. Um, you got his chainsaw hand. Um, the the effects were updated. It's sort of because um, it, it goes through the the sort of events of the first one as well mm. and it builds on it and yes it just cuts the tree scene I exactly it, yeah. yeah it's just the infamous tree scene <laughs> yeah. the first it's just brilliant and in a way it's, it, it, I guess it is sort of like a zombie flick but they're almost like um, sort of demons it's, really. like a, it's, like a, it's like a mix between zombie and possession like possession yeah but it's, it's just it's so Sam Raimi so if mm. you're a fan of of like his work then definitely if you haven't already seen it definitely watch this because it's just that whole trilogy is absolutely brilliant and I know we're all big fans of Evil Dead aren't we so so that's our honourable mentions out of the way then I think I might have seen Army of Darkness in cinema yeah I did yeah I do like that one yeah because he travels back to the medieval yeah. times and it's on a bit, <laughs> a bit so it goes its own way but it's still one of the best trilogies in horror 100% 
Okay, yeah. so we're going to start our <laughs> proper... Yeah, let's do it. Right, that's this... John Robbo, you want to go first? All right, so my first film is the 1980 supernatural horror film, John Carpenter's um, In Between Halloween and The Thing. It's The Fog. Yeah. Don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So, essentially, it's 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 set in this place called Antonio Bay in Northern California. They're about to celebrate their centenary, and it, the film opens with this old man telling ghost stories around this campfire. And one of these stories is how a hundred years ago, coincidentally, um, a ship was wrecked off the coast. Um, they supposedly mistook a, a bonfire for a lighthouse. Um, There's sort of strange stuff starts to happen. This fog starts to come in. Um, the town priest, Father Malone, discovers his grandfather's diary in the church and it reveals that actually in 1880 the six founding fathers of Antonio Bay, including Malone's grandfather, deliberately sank the ship because it was carrying lepers and they didn't want it to, to they didn't want them to found a leper colony close by. And they took some of the gold from the, the ship because the actual owner of the ship was quite rich and they used that to found um, Antonio Bay. Um, and it's it, the actual fog itself is um, contains the revenants of the shipwrecked people. So these are kind of reanimated bodies that generally are out for revenge. Um, and they are, are basically, they want to, kill six people um, in revenge for them obviously being shipwrecked um, stars <clears throat> Adrian Balbo who I think was married to Carpenter yeah. at the time Jamie Lee Curtis Tom Atkins who you might know from Halloween 3, Halloween 3. Yeah. <laughs> it was a because he's in um, Escape from New York as well so he he's is, a yeah. frequent so is Cap Barbeau yeah, Carpenter well, yeah. collaborator and Janet Lee, and I think it's one of the only films where Jamie Lee Curtis and Janet Lee actually appear together. Yeah, I think the other one is H2O. Yeah. yeah. Um, didn't perform very well at the box office again, like pretty much most of Carpenter's films. Yeah. I think it made only sort of 20 million off the $1 million budget. But then again, in retrospect, it found a whole new audience on VHS. And then it's obviously in, um, it's it's been, in retrospect, it's it's been, um, re reevaluated like a lot of his films. Mm. Um, I, I liked it. I think it's it's a good film. They remade it in two thousand and five again, and I think that that again was universally panned by critics. But I think it actually did well at the box office. So it's that kind of trope of um, people who've been wronged coming back to to seek on an act of revenge. Um, I don't know if there's any more to say about that. Is no, there? just the one thing I've learned from yeah. this is don't remake John Carpenter. No, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're a fucking idiot if you do that. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, they've got the thing getting remade, haven't yeah. they? Yep. I hope that bombs on that. <laughs> so yeah, that was my kind of first, yeah, nice. first film. And one that I didn't, because I tried to pick films that I didn't pick in our last episode. Yeah. Some I can't not pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, soup. If you want to go, for, yeah. Um, so my number five is Killer Clowns from Outer Space, yeah. um, which is a 1988 sort of B movie. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. And it, like um, a lot of the films, it was panned. I think at, at release, it was yeah. awful. And now it's looked back upon 
sort of more fondly and like the sci- I think the sci-fi channel are trying to bring that back because they only had one film and they had planned like films and series and like a whole franchise off of it because the clowns themselves that you, you could sort of they look like they belong in a franchise don't they like yeah. you, if you saw them you think oh that's killer clowns yeah um, but it was created by uh, the Kyoto brothers so that's Stephen and Charles and then they've also got third brother who was who works as the producer on it so it's sort of like the three of them collabed and it's the only film they have made ever I believe I think they li- they've only done this and then they've sort of just <laughs> hung around I know they do a couple of them do special effects so obviously all the clown masks were sort of funded by them they made yeah. them all which on because it's on a small budget um, but yeah it, um, it's definitely a, a sort of an obscure choice because uh, have you seen you've seen it haven't so, you yeah, yeah. What's, yeah. The actual, what's the actual plot for that because I've oh, not seen it so <laughs> The clowns, I'm assuming they come from out of space. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that they sort of like clowns are in big top tents, aren't they? So yeah. that's yeah. their oh, spaceship. And they've okay. sort of, they've oh. planted themselves on the planet, and um, it's been it's said that they like they go to different planets every now and again to harvest, so they can sort of like repopulate themselves. Cause they um, they the way they sort of do that is they they have cotton candy guns. <laughs> And they shoot people, <laughs> and it turns them into the big sort of sparks. Oh, right, and then okay. They put like this really long, spinny straws in it, and they right. sort of like drink the nutrients. But they they sort of, they keep women, which is a really creepy sort. Of, yeah. like, they, they keep the women to turn into female clowns, but right, the, the okay. men are just nutrients. Um, and it's really it's sort of it's so dumb because it's what you expect. They've got they've got guns that launch popcorn. Yeah. They've got like <laughs> balloon dogs that sent people down and yeah. ray guns and all that. Um, but they've got one glaring weakness, which is their nose. If you if you pop their nose somehow like a balloon, then they okay. they they blow up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the plot is they sort of uh, they invade this town. Because um, we, when we went to Florida once, we went to Universal yeah. Halloween mm. Horror Nights, and one of the houses was. Well, I, I, I dragged us all and, into it. Yeah, I didn't know. Obviously, didn't not see the film. Didn't <laughs> I know. Didn't know what the fuck was, yeah, going, was on. going on. So. I was just loving it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, like a trip. Yeah. 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 No, it's like you've taken speed. But, I mean, clowns are creepy anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, well, oh, this thing. When I first watched it, because I've seen it a couple of times, I just think it's really charming. Like, because. Uh, Hundred percent, the filmmakers didn't expect it to have the legion of fans. It does. They just no. made it as like a little yeah, you can tell place it. of B movie, and like I said, it's got loads of fans now, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's got quite a big follow. I think obviously the big following is the reason why it was at Universal. Yeah, and obviously they fought much of it to do that. Yeah, but no, I just I think it, I think it's just so entertaining. I it, think it's really good. I think movie. it's gonna it's making a comeback. Yeah, slowly it, they've got that sort of video game haven't they that's coming out yeah and then I think that's going to push them to now we just need a sequel because the, the sci-fi channel want to make a, a TV show from it and okay. at the moment they're the ones that are producing the Chucky yeah. TV show which is doing well so I think they're just going to go off that I just think what you can do with modern special effects and stuff yeah but... it's got to be special effects if they CGI those clowns <laughs> yeah. no but no I, I generally that's a good pick because I, I yeah. really like that film it's just yeah it's just charming and, and whatnot. Mm. um so my first film, I think you have it on yours, Sue, is a scream. Yep, that's my so, yeah. uh, number three. So just a, just a little bit of uh, background is it was first thought up by a, a little known writer at the time. I don't think he was known at all anyway in Hollywood called uh, Kevin Williamson, and basically he saw 
in an, he wrote it in the 90s early 90s and he's he, up to that point then you know you had the the legendary horror movies of of past decades and sort of the 90s was sort of a letdown uh, when you compare it to the other decades you know you had like uh, Jason goes to hell you had like all the shitty uh, Halloween movies so sort of the only real horror movies that were being made were sort of franchise movies mm-hmm. but they weren't doing anywhere near as good as they used to be there was no real proper like um, sort of like unique horror coming out they and, were just being released for name yeah exactly that and uh Ken Williamson thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a movie, and he, he he's like right. He, he had in his mind when he's writing it, I'm gonna write a movie that I'd want to go and see. Um, yeah. Think about what you will, because I know some directors like or writers write films for what they want to see, and some write for what they think people want to see. But no, Ken Williams was like, right, I, I want to write a movie that I want to see in cinema, and uh, he went around various film studios. Eventually, got picked up, and then obviously they brought in legendary filmmaker Wes Craven who's mm. you know he's done uh, he's done loads of movies he's done like Swamp Thing he's done well Freddy Krueger's his isn't it yeah Nightmare on Elm Street um, <clears throat> but I mean what what better director do you get in for a horror movie mm. than him and it's once again it's a slasher movie um, but it's unlike slasher movies up to that point it, it sort of had it sort of had a, a deeper I don't know what you say like a deeper plot like yeah. it wasn't just some random guy going around killing people um, it's sort of like a whodunit as well yeah, it? yeah. one that you you make guesses at the beginning because everyone's sort of suspicious yeah exactly and yeah. It's, it's sort of like anyone can be the killer at any point mm. I, won't go, I, won't, I won't give spoilers because like people have got to see this movie but like a little cool couple little cool things about it was that um, the actual character of Sydney um, Drew Barrymore was obviously yeah cast originally um, and it was actually her idea to Wes Craven about her being killed off in the first act or first scene because mm. um, it would sort of set the film up because she's you know? on all the posters isn't she she's yeah. the main the face on the screen poster so everyone went in thinking they'd see like an hour and a half of Drew Barrymore and to kill her off in the, I think that was probably one of the boldest oh, yeah, things it was, did. It, was, it was bold but it was brilliant because mm. it works because yeah. it, it just like I said it, it properly sets the movie up but mm-hmm. um yeah, I just think it's it's so at the time it was so fresh and so unique, and it's it's like Blair Witch Project. It it sort of inspired movies after. You know, you got like yeah. the unknown we did last summer and whatnot. You got even like a legacy franchise like Halloween, like H two O, has that feel of scream to it. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, like I said, I just think it, it it was a huge movie at the time. Like it made tons at the box office and and you can see why it was just I, such a yeah I think one film one horror film that definitely sort of played off it was um, Bride of Chucky yeah well, it's, it's sort of the, the same yeah. same feeling of those those sort of um, mm-hmm. movies of Scream but like another another big thing was like they, they uh, Craven completely cast like up and comers like you had like Neve Campbell um, Skeet Ulrich and, and all, all of them lot and mm-hmm. it's just it's just like I said I don't want to give too much away Courtney Cox Courtney Cox exactly yeah um, I don't want to give too much away because it, it, you have to watch it yourself but it's just for what this did for the slasher genre because it was uh, a slasher genre that was properly sort of dead until this film came along and it completely rejuvenated it and um, I think when a, when a film completely rejuvenates a, a dying genre then 
it's got to be on, on top somewhere but mm. it's just I mean Ghostface is one of the most iconic killers of all time as well yeah and it was, obviously it was um, it was inspired on true events I believe it was the Woods Woodsboro uh, murders mm. that happened in the early 90s so it's got some sort of truth to that as well um, but yeah it's just brilliant slasher movie and it's, it's one of the best slasher movies of all time mm. isn't it so is there anything else you want to add um, to that or <clears throat> no no, no. I'm, embarrassingly I've never seen it have you not no. oh no. my god that's like <laughs> so I'm going to have to go and it's, uh, it's generally one of the best slashers I've made okay. you can <clears throat> skip two, two and three are alright I think yeah. it starts yeah. to slope and then this year they did the Scream 5 but it was just called oh, okay. Scream mm. and I thought that was sort of more of the original which yeah so um, I just forgot to mention that um, I know there's going to be people pissed at me but and obviously David Arquette and then Matthew Lillard I thought I had to oh yeah Matthew he's, Lillard. He's, a, he's, a le- he's a legend so um, pre Scooby Doo <laughs> yeah but no dad completely yeah. watch it because okay. it's brilliant cool. oh, oh my god yeah, is it cool. okay well I wanted to I wanted to include at least one universal film yeah so I want to go for Creature from the Black Lagoon mm-hmm. um Gilman is considered probably the the last of the great Universal monsters. Um, it's 1954. <clears throat> it was uh, directed <clears throat> by Jack Arnold, stars Richard Carlson, Julia Adams, um, Ben Chapman plays the, the Gilman uh, on land, and Riku Browning underwater. It was originally filmed in 3D and released uh, in 3D. But because 3D kind of peaked in mid-1953 and, and it was on its way out in, in 54, most audiences saw it as a flat 2D. But it was actually released later on in, in I think it was um, 75, back in 3D in, in cinemas. So I don't know exactly what it looks like in 3D. I don't know if it adds to the Probably film. I don't know. Exactly, I don't know. Um, it's essentially it's about a, a geological expedition in the Amazon looking for a skeleton of a creature that will provide a direct link between um, land and sea animals. So it's like a missing link between because obviously um, all on Earth all life started in the sea and then migrated onto land, and this is a direct link between that. Mm. Um, not only do they find a fossil, they also find a living gillman. Um, and then it, it reverts to that kind of classic monster film. Uh, they try and leave the lagoon, but they find the monsters uh, blocked the entrance. So it's kind of that that theme where you've got a group of people trapped trapped and can't leave with a, a monster, um, and that's that's common theme to a lot of horror films. Um, and obviously, then they have to deal with the monster themselves. Uh, initially, they want to try and catch it capture it but then they have to realize that they have to kill it um there's a female scientist as always that gets abducted by the creature <laughs> and has to be rescued again another common um uh, theme of horror films um but yeah it, what i love about this film is it's still to, when i watch it now i still it still stands up i think um but also it's it's not just that it's the the legacy that it's got, the ins- that it actually inspired other filmmakers. Yeah, Steven Spielberg directly cites his film as an inspiration for Jaws. There's there's a scene in in this where Julia Adams is swimming, 
and that's very reminiscent of the opening scene from Jaws with Chrissy Watkins, just the cinematography and everything about some of the shots, the underwater shots, etc. And even some of the music is very similar. Um, there was uh, an attempt to remake it in the 80s. Um, John Landis was going to remake it, but he wanted to remake it as a 3D film from the, off the back of like Jaws 3D, but the studio weren't particularly interested mm. in that. John uh, Carpenter was really interested in remaking it, even to the point that um, I think it was Rick Baker had actually done some mock-ups of the creature, yeah. but after the failure of uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, uh, it got kind of cancelled and shelved. What a shit film that was as well, yeah. Um, but then you look at Guillermo del Toro, he was a massive fan of this film. Shape of Water, yep. the creature in that yep. is essentially the Gilmel, yeah. Gilman. So that's, that's my sort of... Um, take from that is, is its legacy as yeah. well and I think it still stands up today and I just love those old Universal films nice. I think even Peter, it says, even Peter Jackson was interested um, but he went off to work on King Kong so a lot, lot of influence there for yeah. uh, right nice very nice pick yeah uh, Anything else you'd like to add, or you? No, that's, that's okay. Yeah. Right, Soup, if you want to do your next one. I think my next one. Oh, sorry, just oh. I was going to say that because obviously there was an attempt um, to relaunch the whole Universal Monsters thing in, yeah. in this kind of dark universe. Dark universe, yeah. And unfortunately, it was going to start off with they they attempted it with a Wolfman in two thousand and ten, um, Benicio del Toro, and that didn't really take off. Uh, the Invisible Man recently as well was going to be, and then The Mummy with Tom Cruise oh, yeah, that was going to kickstart. And then when that failed, they I think they kind of abandoned that idea. Oh, apparently though, it's still. But there's Nick Nick Cage is going to be in a film Renfield, which is a Dracula film. Yeah, and I think that's an, and part of the Dark Universe. Also, as there's well. going to be another Dark Universe film coming out. Yeah, um, I believe it's a Wolfman film, and it's going to star Ryan Gosling. Yeah, so. I've heard that as well. So yeah, the Dark Universe yeah. is still it's still they're still trying to get it going, kicking it off. <laughs> yeah. But I think I've said before I would have loved to have seen Carpenter's yeah I would um, as well Creature from the Black Lagoon I think, I think, it, would have, have I think it would have made yeah, that one of the best definitely. horror movies ever but I, I, soup my you. next pick I think you must have it on your list it's Halloween yeah I don't know. <laughs> good, good. Um, yeah 1978 um, John Carpenter again um, I, I think it's probably one it's probably one of the best films I've seen it, outside of the genre I'd yeah. say it's it's like the example film. If if I was to introduce someone to horror, I'd have to show them Halloween. Yeah, just to sort of get them into it. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Um, I think that uh, if sort of, I know people sometimes say that Psycho was a first slash, and whether you believe it or not, this is fully definitively mm -hmm. the first sort of slasher movie. And like you, it, anyone says, okay, give me ten movies of ten different genres. Yeah. Of each of the best, then I'd, I'd give them this movie because it just is the best. I think it comes really from simplicity and execution as well. Like John Carpenter knows how to work with so little and execute it to a T. Yeah. Um, if we just go through the, the sort of the plot of the movie, it, it starts off with six-year-old Michael Myers in uh, October thirty-first, Halloween, nineteen sixty-three, uh, in Haddonfield, Illinois, kills his, his uh, uh, older sister. Then can I just talk about the opening sequence there? Yeah, if you want to go, yeah, go ahead. Chip in. 
it's it's meant to be one continuous tracking yep. shot, but the actual cameras they were using, Panasonic's, they could only film five minutes yeah, so at a time. Hit, there's so cuts. there's two cuts in that first sequence. One, one where he puts his mask on. Mask on, yep. Um, and, and then two. The second one, I think, is uh, I'm trying to think. I can't, I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. Which, it's which really smartly was. done, yeah. so you can't. But it, tell. it does seem like a, a continuous tracking yeah. shot of, of mm. young Michael. Yeah. Just adding to that as well, <laughs> it was the first use, I believe, of, of the, the the industrial steady cam as well. So that's why it's very steady yeah. and it's it, mm. it was it allowed to sort of do those continuous shots. But yeah, getting back onto the plot, once Michael kills his older sister he, he gets sent to a sort of a, like a sanatorium sort of thing and 15 years later um, while his doctor uh, Sam Lewis played by Donald Pleasance is going to transfer him he breaks out returns home and then starts stalking a load of babysitters and uh, I don't want to give too much away um, but that's, that's sort of the general plot now if we Talk about Halloween. I mean, you first got to start off with Michael Myers, the actual killer himself. Mm. I mean, what a lightning in a bottle sort of moment because you look to horror movies up to that point, they'd always been like monster flicks. Um, mm. You had like King Kong, you had like Godzilla, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And John Carpenter basically went, right, we're going to do a monster flick, but it's going to star a man. Yeah. And uh, I think already that, that sort of adds a different dynamic to mm. it. Um, I think what we didn't sort of mention is that he wears a mask. Well, oh, sorry. It's my film. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. But yeah. I think it's mine, actually. You can... Well, yeah. I, I know the... Um, I'm li- uh, at the moment, I'm currently working on a video on about the mask. Okay, yeah. Because um, that was sort of even more of a, like a lightning in the ball. That yeah. was like... They didn't have the budget to... Um, Make a custom mask for Michael yeah. Myers, so it's um, I think it's Tom Wallace is yep. the guy who does sort of the effects and that. He bought a clown mask and he bought William Shatner as Captain Kirk, and they tried it with the clown and they said it looked just looked a bit off. And then what they did was they sort of modified the mask, so they cut the eyes open to make it look less human, mm. teased the hair out, sprayed everything white, and it's sort of meant to be like the uncanny valley like yeah. it looks human but it's not and you can't see the eyes through it's almost it. humanoid isn't it yeah and I, th- I think um the white as well adds to it because you can also you can sort of add anything you want onto that sort of <clears throat> blank canvas as well that's what um, i was trying to say is the fact that wearing a mask it's not just a human he's a faceless yeah killer yeah you don't see any emotion it's just completely well, blank f- first and foremost as well like we're talking like Michael Myers as a human, as weird as it sounds, he's he's very much not. He's like a. Uh, I know when when he first escapes, Slum um, is calling the devil. He, he said the evil's gone. Yeah, the evil has the gone. Evil, he doesn't yeah, even refer to him as a man. Yeah. He just said the evil is yeah. gone, and he's he's going around town telling people how evil he is. Is that the embodiment of it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's like he's like a vessel for evil. Yeah. So you know you got the whole um, blackest eyes, devil's eyes yeah. speech, which is brilliant. Um, and one thing, Don- Donald Pleasance as well was a mass, absolute massive coup for this. They, uh, I believe it was Irvin Yablons, which was one of the producers, mm-hmm. um, wanted uh, sort of big character actor, sort of thespian, big star, and they were looking yeah. around like like Star Wars and Alec Guinness or, or whatnot, and they were looking around, and, and Donald Pleasance was was on the, on their radar. They brought him in, and and. Um, on set he just he 
one he he sort of knew everyone's lines as it was and I think he only filmed for a couple of days and he already, he already done his scenes like perfectly mm. and stuff but um, another big thing is is it was Jamie Lee Curtis's uh, debut yeah and obviously she's the the son of Tony Curtis and Janet Lee um, which sort of helped mm. her get the job almost um, and she's sort of the first I know there's this trope thing about the final girl. She's really sort she of the first, the first final, one, yeah. final girl, and I know she's always um, there's always rankings about who's the best final girl, but she sort of is always near the top because she sort of fights back. You know, she, uh, she I'd say she, if if there was a ranking, it'd be Laurie. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, be Laurie Strode. Obviously, not some films where she gets dropped off buildings. Or... <laughs> yeah, but we don't mention that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, it sort of this film also helped her become like this. I know she's known as like the scream queen and yeah. she and whatnot. Um, but no, like I said, this this movie is just so so simple. It's just such a simple plot. It's just a guy going around killing babysitters, but it's, yeah. it's the way how John Carpenter executes it, you know. But going back to like Donald Pleasant, say, and and like you said about Alec Guinness, it's about you know taking taking it absolutely seriously because yeah. it could and he did. You know, if he did, and then it could sort of devolve into parody or, yeah. or kind of tongue-in-cheek kind of mm. comedy sort of elements. Yeah. But, but you get a, he, you get somebody like that, and it's absolutely straight down the line. Well, he, he never um, looked down yeah. on the on the on the picture at no, all. No, exactly. And he, he, like I said, he, he was fully committed, <clears> and he, he did his lines within a couple yeah. of days. So, um, but yeah, like that's what happens when you get a world-class well, actor like Don Pleasant. It's the common horror <clears> theme, community. You know, with a monster essentially yeah. that's but like I said it even though it's so simple yeah. it may sound shit at face value it's just he John Carpenter is the the, the master of horror mm. there's a reason why they call him that and he just executes his soul well and he's such a good storyteller and he this this film there's there's no lie this film is built completely built on suspense and uh, oh Michael's over there no no wait no he's over there no and the way how he I always describe it how he makes a whole town feel like one room almost yeah. it makes it feel really cramped and because it is it, it, it's set in Haddonfield Illinois um, but yeah it's just a, the, it, this film is just well, seeps it's, it's also like it, it like what Loomis is saying is almost like a supernatural yeah. element to Michael there, as there well is, there is in this movie, yeah. yeah I, I believe there's a couple of times where it shapeshifts. I know, I know some of the later films kind of explore that a bit more. Uh, sequels, oh, with the yeah, shit, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, but yeah. I never agreed with that because, no. in a way, it humanizes Michael. Um, and they've always tried to add extra things, but no, you just. This is the this is the best Michael we've ever had. And Nick Castle, I believe, was given the job because he was a mate of John Carpenter's and he just mm, yeah. wrote. He, he helped him write the script or something, but like I said, it's just. Uh, just the, it goes down to pure execution mm. and how the hell this film got made though I mean do you know who else was in it behind the scenes uh, by you saying that it's got to be someone big mm, it's another horror big icon where's Craven Robert England oh was it really mm. what, what? so his friend worked on um, on set mm. and um, John Carpenter needed all these leaves because he made it wanted it to look like autumn yeah so he got his friend he was like oh do you want to come to work and all we're, all we're doing is shifting leaves and so Robert England is like I don't know if there's photos or anything but he's on set like chucking leaves around <laughs> <in> there <laughs> yeah yeah I was, I was about to get on to that point actually um, I didn't realise it was Robert England yeah that's very, that's very cool um, but yeah um, 
this film was made on a budget of 300,000 yeah. I, th- I think it was um, Mustafa Akkad was obviously the, the top producer um, and there's no big there's no big studio behind this movie like I said 300,000 what is that for a movie and it mm. got to the point where obviously now we know it's Robert England that uh, they had to spray it they had to paint leaves yeah. it, set the scene once it's the scene was shot it was shot in California it's supposed yeah. to be Illinois so. yeah exactly it's supposed to be Midwest yeah once and it's, shooting it's finished, obviously autumn midwest where yeah, leaves exactly. are coming off the trees and that once, so, yeah. once shooting commenced someone had to go back up with a plastic bag collect them up again do it set the scene again yeah um and uh it made around 75 million dollars which at the time it held the record for decades of being the most profitable indie mm. film of all time but like i said it's just there's little things in there like there's there's a scene with the hedge where Michael's yeah and, and you see smoke coming from behind John yeah, Carpenter smoking so and obviously they didn't go back and reshoot it no, so they just like left it in like, yeah you know it's just, and some of the acting's a little bit yeah. ropey but yeah. Yeah. The, only, the only thing I could say is maybe the acting's a bit dated but yeah. like I said what they had to work with yeah but yeah um, I just want to leave you with just the fact that, that he executes it so well <laughs> and I love the way how John Carpenter I mean, Michael doesn't kill until a massive chunk in in the movie. Mm. He stalks Laurie throughout it, and it always gets to the point where you're like, "Oh, Michael just end up just kill her already." So because it puts you on the edge of your seat, when is he going to attack? Mm. It's not like a uh, send Friday Thirteenth movies. Uh, Jason goes on killing loads of people. He's um he's sort of playing with his food. So yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he's teasing 100%. her. He, he, she knows that he's going to do something. Mm-hmm. And I think he sort of he knows that himself. He knows he'll get her. And we we as the we as the the viewers are like, uh, we just don't know when it's going to come mm-hmm. as well, you know. And when when he when he finally attacks, that's when it, it you're like, oh shit. Because so you know? he kills quite. He, he doesn't kill that many, does no, he? No, he kills one? he kills Bob. And he uh, kills only three three people. I think. So say, oh, it's four people because yeah. it's the garage guy where mm. he gets his overalls. But it's not it's not a gory film. No, it's not like a so. There's not loads of kills, not carnage candy. But what it makes up, what it lacks in that, it makes up for in in sort of suspense. Um, I think that's just the main, the, main the scene thing. where he's got the bed sheet on him mm. with the glasses. Yeah, yeah. That, always, yeah. that is always terrible. <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah, it, it once again it, it completely started a whole genre in its own mm. own right and it's just a shame that Friday the 13th happened because in, in the sequel they kind of had to throw out some of the things that made Halloween 1 so mm. special like and adding loads of gore and stuff but like, mm. this will always be the ultimate slasher film there, there will never be anything better then nothing they've, they've will tried never remaking be it yeah exactly what twi- twice now technically with Rob Zombie and then obviously mm. in 2018 yeah I but, think 2018 was the one that got closest to being. I as think good. 2018 was good, mm. but like I said, you just it just went downhill. The simplicity and mm. the sort of the lightning and the bottleness of this movie. You'll never, there'll never ever be another slash movie to even come close to to Halloween. So yeah. I mean, we we could go on about this for hours, yeah. gonna be this film, but a little bit of trivia there. Um, when Laurie's baby sitting in the film they're watching is the original mm. 1950s original thing, thing. Yeah. and in Halloween ends they're watching Carpenter's yeah. the thing so that's, that's cool. so you've probably yeah. been been lobbying for that to make the thing yeah. for a while I think he's obviously a big fan of that yeah but yeah no he's just I'm yet to watch Halloween ends and I'm not looking <laughs> <at it. laughs> yeah. but no, I'll just leave you with, with it's an absolute masterpiece one of the best movies ever made yeah. and it's just the 
the quintessential slasher movie. Mm. So yeah. Okay. So they, is that yours as where, well? Where then? was yeah. that on your list? Was that number one or? Uh, no, number two. So okay. that was for me. That was number four. Okay. So I'm so, gonna go. I'm gonna go next. Yeah. You can. So um, again, another kind of. Don't know if it's controversial. Hey, Alien. Don't what, a lot of people would say that was science fiction rather than horror, but it is. It's, no, it's, it's, it's I, a typical. I, I, I would say that's more horror than science fiction. But anyway, it's, it's mm. that it's a monster film. The themes of yeah. are horror. You know, the only the only thing a sci-fi is a setting, so it's, yeah. it's like a horror sci-fi. Group of people, yeah, exactly. group of people trapped in a situation with a monster. Yeah. So it's like could be Halloween in space, could be yeah, you know, Black whatever. Lagoon in yeah, space. exactly. <laughs> that's <laughs> probably what it was at the yeah. start, but um, so um, obviously Ridley Scott. Um, written by Dan O'Bannon, so yep. who mm. directed one of the films you were. Yeah, he directed. Where was that? Yeah, I think one of the. Oh, he did Return of the yeah. Dead. So, I yeah. think he's written a lot of films actually, like yeah. The Graduate and stuff like that. I think or use a phone of Virginia Woolf, yeah. or something like that. Uh, so it stars Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, Veronica Cartwright, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and Yafit Kotto. Um, where do you start? I mean, it's essentially it's about a, it's set in the future, it's a spaceship they're in hypersleep returning to earth they're welcomed by this distress beacon from a nearby planet they go to investigate john hurt they find this um like a cavern full of like eggs and john hurt ends up who plays kane ends up getting one of these a creature bursts out one of these eggs attaches to his face and he's then taken back on board the ship like kind of breaches protocol um eventually the thing drops off his face he kind of regains consciousness and they're eating a meal uh, before going back into hypersleep he starts convulsing and this creature then bursts out of his mm. chest um, so obviously the thing the, the thing attached to his face is, has laid something inside him um, and this little alien which is probably no no more bigger than salt shake yeah, like yeah. Um, <laughs> takes off um, and then starts to grow exponentially huge um, and then obviously the crew then have to deal with it um, and it is again it's that kind of monster film yeah. it's a creature that bleeds acid um, it's been on a spaceship as well there's obviously lots of places for it to hide you know so it's that suspense as well is mm. it in the shadows yeah. uh, there's lots of jump scares involving the cat and, and that mm. kind of thing um, what's kind of was groundbreaking for this film was the fact that it had a female protagonist yep. in Ripley played by yeah. Sigourney Weaver like I said in previous horror films you know the female was always the one that was it's like the damsel in yeah, dress yeah and mm. was always saved by the 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 man yeah. the main protagonist this reversed that and I think again for maybe not nowadays but for late 70s that was I think a huge thing well think about well. it obviously when we talked about Scream it was about the Drew Barrymore thing well yeah. people probably went into this and maybe thought oh Tom Skate is going to yeah. be the final guy or John Hurt and then it ended up being obviously Sigourney mm. Weaver's Ripley mm. so it was a big deal at the time yeah. wasn't it I think that that scene of John Hurt as well is probably one of the most iconic oh, yeah. Yeah. in when you talk, cinema when you talk about great movie moments it's one of the most iconic of mm. time isn't it well apparently Scott didn't tell the rest no, of the cast I, I and so something. they just they basically yeah. went in to film it and so their reactions are actually genuine yeah. I think Hurt obviously was the only one they said yeah. make this come out yeah but yeah that is probably like top one of the top ten scenes of ever yeah, yeah in just film. movie history alone um, yeah. being a Scott film and it's just beautifully shot yeah it shows his his, um, his background in, in TV advertising like a lot of his films um and I think you know, uh, for 
I think he'd only ever made one film before this, which was um, The Duelist. Yeah. Which was completely different. It was that was set during the Napoleonic Wars. We never thought it would be a Ridley yeah, Scott film. Two cavalry officers having duels over eighteen years, and then he goes into doing this. But that's kind of what he is quite eclectic in his choice of films. I think. Yeah. Obviously, spawned sequels, um, crossovers with Alien versus Predator. Uh, but I think you know, for a horror film, I think it's it's one of the best I think once again I think it, it like the like Halloween it's a very simple plot mm. and story but it's just all about execution yeah and it's the way you shoot the film and like we said really Scott in his um, like sort of TV mm. background it's, mm. it's he's just so good at, sh at picking shots and um, you know you've, it, it was so revolutionary at the time because there's almost scenes when you've got like the Nostromo scenes they use miniatures like they did in Star Wars obviously well I think parts of it as well for a horror film you expect it to be quite darkly lit mm. quite a big portion of Alien is all because it's all in a white yeah, yeah. it's quite light yeah. for, a, for a horror film which mm. you don't expect I think I think especially with that chest bursting scene you know, they're in that, that white room all the lights are on so you're not expecting no. anything and then no. that happens and 100% and like we said about the, the whole most iconic scenes in movie mm. history that's mm. got to be up there but I know they say you're either an Alien fan or you're an Aliens fan. Aliens, obviously, James Cameron, much more action orientated, mm. or you're an Alien fan, really, Scott, with the, the cramped hallways and, and just the, the suspense. And that's what this film really is. It's, it's If you replace the Xenom if you replace Michael Myers or Xenomorph, it's basically yeah, Halloween yeah, in exactly. space. But it's just, <clears throat> it's like I said, it all goes down to execution and the. the just the, the, the sort of crampness of the Nostromo mm. and the fact that it, the Xenomorphs picking them off one by one. Yeah. And uh, you do have like, a, uh, at the time, you do have a female um, sort of lead. It just, it just the, the stars aligned for this movie mm. and it? it just all just made so much sense. And for the time, you know, if this movie came out now, everyone, oh, this is shit, you know, we've seen it a million times before, but mm -hmm. like the visuals alone, people, I can't imagine going to see this movie when it came out in '79, like like I said, it's, it's almost Star Wars. We're coming yeah, off of Star effects. Wars, yeah, yeah. Prat and practical effects. Yeah, and we all, well, I think we all agree that practical effects yeah. are a bit way better than the um, CGI. I mean, yeah, you, you look at the actual design of the HR Geiger designed the alien. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just a brilliant protagonist as well, and antagonist. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's. I think it's, it's as a xenomorph. You just you just think they ask you to yourself, how the fuck do you defeat this thing? You know. It's again, it's going back. It's that unstoppable killing machine. Yeah. That it could be, like you say, it could be Michael Myers, could be any other monster. Mm. But I think you know, obviously, updated for that kind of yeah alien. But yeah, it's just it. It's just so and an influential film, I think, as well. Yeah, like um, I said, it it. it, it Hundred percent, it got it got um, inspired by Halloween, but it just took all the best things yeah. about Halloween, and Ridley Scott sort of, and Dana Bannon sort of took it in a different direction, made the setting different, different, mm. obviously different antagonist, and it's just, it is one of the best horror movies mm. of all time because it's just so suspenseful and it like really does put you on the edge of your seat for the whole movie because you just think how the hell do you defeat this thing? But yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, and I just love the way how Ridley Scott picks his shots he shoots movies 
probably the best out mm. of any director yeah. ever really because mm-hmm. he's got that TV background and yeah it's just really good flesh that character as well mm. which was nice you know sometimes <laughs> say if you have a kill, it's unstoppable killer and you have sort of shit written characters you're just like oh. you end up rooting for the killer yeah. right. any film it's about the story regardless yeah. of what it is it's the story if you have a shit story regardless of what you know what what the uh, antagonist or protagonist you have in it it doesn't really matter does it you need the story I think I've, I've, I still do think character is important though oh it's yeah I'm if, character, if, that's if, what I mean character okay. development and story yeah, if, the, if the characters yeah. are shit then yeah. you're just like you, you can't wait for the xenomorph just to pick them off yeah, one by one exactly yeah um, oh. but no he's just so well executed mm. and it was it was just I couldn't imagine being back in 1979 watching this movie mm. it was so revolutionary just the effects alone yeah. as well so yeah very good pick most soup so next my second to last one because I think we've covered Scream haven't we <laughs> yeah my second to last one's <clears throat> Shaun of the Dead yeah which I think is it's my favourite zombie I'd say yeah. which is why it's on the list mm-hmm. over Return of the Living Dead um, I believe it is Edgar Wright's first yeah, I think it was yeah, yeah. film but obviously yeah. it did Spaced before it which mm. is sort of Spaced gave birth to Shaun of the Dead because mm. an episode have you ever seen Spaced yeah I have yeah so the, the episode where he does Speed and um plays Resident Evil when he ends up hallucinating the zombie that, that's why they said oh we should make a zombie film and it's all come off that and it stars Nick Frost who was in space basically a lot of everyone from space was in it and like the, yeah. the extras the zombie extras were all paid a pound and they were spaced fans they got off like a subreddit yeah. um, but they wanted someone different for Nick Frost's character because he was an unknown and they said we can't you have to get rid of him because we don't know what his acting talent's like and they ended up saying no we, we, we're not making the film if you don't have him so they ended up keeping him I think Ed's probably one of the best parts of yeah, the film 100%. Um, it's one of those films that I can watch again and again and I'll always find something new or like a, a small detail because I think Edgar Wright's really got an eye for sort of easter eggs and like continuity yeah. and stuff like that like there's so many things like even like the, down to the zombies there's like members from Coldplay that are zombies yeah. in it and Edgar Wright's one of the zombies you don't see but um, yeah it's definitely uh, it might be my favourite out of the, the Cornetto trilogy I think even though I think Hot Fuzz is the one that everyone goes that's the better mm. I think Shaun of the Dead's like because it was the first well I read something didn't after Space finished didn't like Edgar Wright got up to Simon Pegg and be like, "Wouldn't it be funny if I like made a zombie movie?" Yeah, and they were like, "Oh, again, I did." Yeah, literally. Like, so that, the reason it's based in the UK was because they wanted to sort of take the piss and say, "Well, we haven't got guns here, and we haven't really got big military compared. To, like, there's nothing stopping zombies." Uh, and so they they based it off themselves being flatmates and sort of just lazy and they just go to work and come home. They literally are zombies themselves. Um, which I think that they parallel quite a bit. You see people like sat on the bus looking like half dead, and then yeah. and then later on in the film you see those people again, but they are zombies now. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think it's yeah. I mean, fantastic. I I, th- I think it did. It, it was very revolutionary at a time where it sort of it blended comedy and zombie flicks at the time as well. Normally, comedy films are more parody, aren't they? Yeah, rather than scary. But this is more like a love letter as well. It's actually a, a proper horror film, yeah. but just comedy elements in it, yeah. I think. Um, and one of the things is, is the kind of the, the, the reluctant hero or the the unlikely hero. Yeah. Mm. Well, he's um, a loser, isn't he? Yeah, sure, pretty isn't much, yeah. yeah. He's the underdog in this Yeah, in this story. and he, he then becomes the hero in the end. Yeah. 
So, yeah. George, George Romero gave it his blessing as well. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Because, was that before you made the movie? Well, because the next year, I think 2005, he did Land of the Dead. Okay, yeah. And in that, two of the zombies is Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Yeah, I saw that so as well. He, he sort of, that was his way of saying thank you for this. So, yeah. Well, I've, I've, as well, I think Edgar Wright's a really, really underrated filmmaker as well. Mm. In terms of, I, I love his editing style. Like, that's absolutely famous, isn't it? Um, so like like loads of quick, quick shots, shots yeah. yeah, and whatnot. And the the thing I love the when I think about comedies, I I just love comedies where the the comedy comes from the writing mm-hmm. itself, and not like cheap slapstick. Yeah, and it's this film is so British in it, and it's just so it, it's tailored for us, and it just yeah. I think American audiences they don't really no they can watch it and enjoy it, but like there's like the pubs and. They've got like all like um, well, the lack of guns and yeah. corner like all the corner mm. shops he goes to and all that. And but it's just like it, it's just really funny and it comes from the like I said the the the, the, the script itself, other than just some cheap slapstick mm. that maybe a lot of American comedies have. Um, it's got quite a good cast as well with like does, yeah. Bill Nye, mm. um, Penelope Walton, Matt, Matt, Matt Lucas is in it. Martin yeah, Freeman. Mark Freeman as well. Um, but no, it's it's, it's <laughs> I actually think it's one of the best zombie movies I've made. Yeah, uh, just is. It, it, it's it, just so different to the rest. Like I don't think there's ever been one like it, or there no. will be one like it in the future. I think it's just unique. Well, he was the, he, he was the guy. I was like, right, I'm going to blend comedy with a zombie movie, mm. and it's know? all got romance as well. Mm. Like you could, some people say it's oh, it's a rom com. It's not a rom com, but I'd say it's a horror comedy with sort of romantic elements. Well, yeah, there's just, a relationship in, yeah, in the middle of it, isn't there? Between but... like him and his ex, and then also him and his mum. Um, which and it's got, actually got quite like some sad sort of yeah. moments in yeah. it. Like, yeah, it especially, does. Yeah. He, has to, he obviously has to kill his own mum and whatnot. Spoilers. <laughs> it's, been, it's been out eighteen years. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like so I think that's a really good pick, and, and I think Edgar Wright's a really, really underrated director mm. when it comes to that. But that's that's his forte, really, isn't it? You know, well, he's so, not made that many. No, he's not. I think he obviously he did Baby Driver, and then last year he did Last Night in Soho, which is a horror. Yeah. So that's what, like um, five films he's done? Yeah. So, yeah, he's done his three and then that. Oh, and he did Scott Pilgrim. Okay, yeah, he did. So he's done about six big films, I'd And this, say. this is what started, started the yeah. but no, that's a really good pick. And, and yeah, it's just, it's really funny because mm. I appreciate comedy that comes from, from the writing instead of just cheap slapstick yeah. or something. So, yeah. Okay, all right. right. How many have you got left to do? It's I've your turn, isn't it? Got, have you done yours? I've got uh, four... Uh, three left to do okay so. well I've got two and I think we've all got one on our yeah. list so we well, might as well leave that till the last yeah so. well I know I can see now <laughs> um, and one of my list is Jaws okay because you're foaming at the mouth no that's, that's I'll let you take no, it on because this is your movie fine. so okay. um, you go ahead well again controversial because a lot of people would say Jaws is not a hard oh yeah film. I, 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 um, I was on and on where I put it on cause I know it as well but it, well, it is a, it's a monster well, film when it, when, it, when it first came out it was a horror movie but now people sort of been like um, we we sort of looked more at thriller. as as a well, thriller or, or, a, or a but it's a monster, it's a monster movie, movie so I, I, I would say horror. horror and rather than having like a um a monster a created monster or a supernatural monster it's just a shark <laughs> <laughs> so um, and it's but again it's that um, it's that theme of a, a community being terrorised by this relentless killing machine it could be Halloween 
just swap Michael Myers yeah. for Bruce. Put him in a paddle boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't if you haven't seen Jaws, right, where, where, where have you been? been? Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, it's basically a great white shark stakes its claim off of Amity Island, starts killing people. The um, police chief Brody, played by uh, Roy Scheider, he has to not not only deal with that, but also the mayor, played by Murray Hamilton, who wants to keep the beaches open because Amity relies on the summer basically for their financial uh, life like economics yeah and it's coming up to july the 4th their biggest uh, day of the year um and it's only after an incident that directly involves uh brody's son that hamilton agrees sorry um mayor vaughn so sorry <laughs> agrees to um to hire quint played by the great robert shaw to go and kill the shark so it's, it's kind of a two two parts the first yeah. part is the killings and everything and then the second part is actual but it's two very defined parts yeah, isn't it it yeah. is um, but there is something almost supernatural about the shark as well because Quint sort of says it's a it's, it's a obviously clever shark it's um, bigger than a normal great white so there is that kind of a little bit of a supernatural element um what more can you say about it? Yeah, um, it's one of those movies yeah. like we can just like everyone knows it, yeah. don't they? You know, it's just it was such a huge movie and it means so yeah. much to everyone. Like, what more can we add to it? Yeah. Um, and again, it's it's I think it's influence on just that whole genre of film. I mean, you had you had films that came after it, Orca, which was about a killer whale, Grizzly, yeah. Grizzly Bear. So you have all these other films that come after it, but none, and obviously four se- uh, three sequels, should I say, that none of them had Spielberg's involvement in or Benson's involvement. But I think... I mean, I mean, Ford did for horror yeah. as well, yeah, but Ford did for movies as well, you know, it was the first yeah. summer blockbuster. It was the biggest grossing film before Star Wars, of all time, yeah. till Star Wars came along. Um, and I think the making of the film is probably just as uh, interesting yeah. as the actual film itself the fact that they hired a guy called Robert Matty he created the octopus for 20,000 leaves under the sea he built this shark and it, everything functioned well back in the, the tank at Universal but as soon as they took it and put it in the Atlantic Ocean didn't work so what won it yeah. yeah so Spielberg kind of had to he, he's under pressure because I think some, there was something to do with the um I think it was they. They were was it the Writers Guild or something? Yeah, or it was something like that. Yeah. So they they're under time constraints to get this film finished, um, and it just delays kept happening. So he, he kind of had to improvise. So there's a lot more scenes that should have actually involved the shark, but didn't. So the opening scene with Chrissy Watkins, you have to kind of intimate the sharks there. Um, the scene with the barrels, that's that's that was all invented just to try to so all the sharks there but you can't see it but that actually adds to the adds to it, suspense yeah. of the film because it's this kind of unknown um killer i think and i think if you saw the shark more then it might detract from the film as well and there's the scene where the, where the guys are fishing with a roast and it, it pulls the, the the pier into the yeah. water and then it turns around and it's following the guy back i mean that is suspenseful as well mm. And I think had you seen the shark there, it might have detracted from the, yeah, from the film. Yeah, I, I fully agree. Like I said, no, we've, we've been lucky enough to see this film yeah. twice, and every every time I went out, uh, last time in three D as well. So. Yeah, <laughs> with a client as yeah. well. But no, uh, uh, every time I left the cinema, I just kept thinking yeah. to myself, 
how the fuck did this film get made, let alone a film this good, you know? There's just so many different things that went wrong. And it was almost like, I'm not a spiritual person at all. Like, I don't believe this, but I can see why some people believe it. It's like, it almost, there's a reason why all these things went wrong and it kind of mm. fell into place. Like, it's almost like a Frankenstein's monster sort of full of yeah. mistakes and whatnot. And it just gelled together to make an absolute masterpiece. Again, of, it's, it's easy, of film. easy for it to kind of fall into parody and, and, and comedy, mm. but they all play it absolutely yeah. straight. I mean, I mean, one I of think the greatest scenes is the Indianapolis speech. Yeah. Which, you know, there's lots of um, folklore around who wrote it, whether Shaw wrote it or Gottlieb. I like to believe, and, I like, yeah, I like to believe can, it's Shaw. But yeah, uh, it's just a brilliant acting by, I think, the three main. I mean, it's cool as well because you've got, you got sort of the, the bigger movie star, Roy Scheider, yeah. you've got the up and comer, Richard Dreyfus, yeah. and then you've got the proper. I like, think he was an Oscar winner before Jaws, Richard Dreyfus. I think he had won an Oscar. Was it 77? Yeah. No, 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 I think it was after. After, was it? Okay. After, yeah, but well, it wasn't many years after. No. Then obviously you got Robert Shaw as yeah. a character actor, and they just, they are three main characters, yeah. and they're just so different, and they just have such good chemistry together as well. And um, obviously the relationship between Dreyfus and Shaw is well documented that yeah. they didn't like each other, yeah. and there's actually a stage play called The Shark is Broken that, that deals with that off kind of set stuff that was going on as well. But yeah, that's just the legacy of Jaws. It's my f favorite film of all time, I think. Mm. Um, favorite horror, favorite thriller, whatever you want to call it. But it's weird because like all these movies we've just had on our list have all been so simple. Yeah. But like I said, it's all about execution. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the actual production itself wasn't executed well, mm. and that's why this film is such an anomaly mm. because how the hell it got made is just. I've only seen the original. Yeah, but are the, do the sequels ever live up to it? All the sequels. No, no. no, two's not bad. Three, they did just it was three D, mm -hmm. and they moved, and they they got rid of Brody, and it's centered on his two sons. Dennis, and it, is it Dennis, Dennis Quaid? Quaid yeah, and Dennis it's set Quaid. in like um, a marine theme park in Florida. Okay, and then Jaws Four, Jaws <laughs> Revenge. Talk about Jaws Four. Um, Michael Caine in it. Um, oh. He's. This is his direct quote. I've never seen the film. I've only seen the house that he built. And yeah. that's all he said about it. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't. He, he won an Oscar for uh, Hannah and his sisters. He couldn't <laughs> pick it up because he was filming this film. Um, and it's possibly... It's, it, we did a podcast. Yeah. And it's one of the worst one films the, ever it's made. It's well known to be one of the worst films. But no, no, no matter how many sequels you've you'll yeah. never get better than I just movie. thought of another franchise that probably came off of that. Is, yeah. is the Piranha Flat yeah. franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I've seen a couple of them as well, and well they get worse. The thing is, it Joe Dante, I think, directed he, it, and he actually was the production designer on oh. Jaws, and he actually directed Jaws 3D, I think, as well. So he was involved in well, that. Another brilliant thing about this movie is that there's a whole modern sort of fear that people have about going in the water and sharks. You know, we hear about all these, all these things about you're gonna get killed by a shark even though it's very rare but it all mm. spawned from this yeah. movie as well so um <laughs> it sort of spawns like a fear i think yeah quite exactly a lot, quite a lot of horrors mm. yeah like killer clowns obviously spawn more cholerophobia mm. yeah the fear of them and yeah i'm guessing there's people that are scared of men in masks because there's got to be like the fear, yeah. the fear of unknown yeah it was but i mean, I mean joe dante um directed um piranha and I think he actually directed, I'm sure he directed uh, Jaws 3 as well. Yeah, Jaws. What year is Piranha? Is that? 1978. Oh. So, yeah, it's probably a direct, um, a direct uh, influence from Jaws. 
the Jaws cinematic yeah. universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, like come, just come back to the phobia, the fact that this movie was able to make it a modern phobia for so many different people mm. just shows how influential it was. And um, yeah, I just it, it was Spielberg's second movie. His first movie was called Duel and that then, kind of explored similar themes yeah it, it's about it's basically a, about a salesman um, he is involved in a was it with a truck driver yeah. a truck and mm-hmm. this basically truck then follows him around it's tries to run him off the road and stuff. but you never see the truck driver no. so it's this kind of you know like this, Christine yeah yeah. so like similar things yeah to, to Jaws so but yeah no like I said oh, sorry Jaws uh, 3D was directed by uh, John Alves so wasn't oh, okay. <laughs> but he actually worked on Jaws too. So that's how I got um, got confused mm-hmm. there. So but, yeah, no, before just, people write in and say stuff, so. it's just yeah, it's just absolute masterpiece yeah. of a movie. And uh, I don't, I think it this actually it fucking up loads of times helped this movie because you think if if everything in the production went correct, how different this movie yeah, would have been. But, yeah. And it's just crazy to think about things like that, but um, yeah, people. I think people are more scared of what they don't see and what they can't see yeah. than what they do. Well, it goes back to that Halloween thing yeah, as well. Exactly. You don't see mm. Michael kill or whatnot, so because yeah. it kind of takes away from the character, yeah. the the sort of aura and the the sort of um, I don't, I don't know, like spontaneity mm. of them. Like you know, you don't know what they're gonna do next. Yeah. But yeah, no, very good pick. Okay. Right, I think you guys have one each left, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I do. I've got one on my list and I think everyone's got yeah, it. I think I've got two left, so <laughs> okay, I'll say mine quickly. Yeah. It's, it's right. uh, 1960s Psycho. Okay, yeah. yeah. And once once again, it's, it's sort of, is it a horror, is it a thriller? But um, Rolling Stone says it's a horror, so fuck you to anyone who disagrees. <laughs> um, it's an Alfred Hitchcock film, um, probably is, is magnum opus, really. Um, and it, it stars... People like Janet Lee, uh, Vera Miles, uh, John uh, Balsam. Yeah, Martin yeah. Balsam. Martin Balsam, yeah. that's it, yeah. And obviously, um, Anthony Perkins, Anthony Perkins as, as Norman Bates. And directed by Hitchcock, obviously. That's what I said. At Did you? Sorry, all right. <laughs> you need to listen more. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, basically, it's about a sort of, he's almost like a, I can't even describe Norman Bates. He's like a loser. Almost, he's a mother's isn't he? boy, isn't he? Yeah, he's a mummy's boy. He runs this sort of derelict sort of. Um, Motel. Motel off the old highway. Um, Janet Lee's character, she steals, uh, she works at a uh, realtor and she steals some money that she was going to deposit. $50,000? Yeah. And uh, she steals the money she was going to deposit and she's going to go start a new life. She's going down the motorway, raining, decides to stop off and it just happens to be at, at uh, Bates Motel. And... I don't, know, I don't know how much I should give away. I, I, really well, I don't, don't if, if you haven't seen it in 60 years, okay. then Fair I think enough. 66 you're years. Gonna, <laughs> you're not going to... So she uh, she gets killed. Obviously, the, the once again, like the the sort of chest burst scene, one of the most iconic yeah. scenes in movie well, It's history. like going back to Scream where they kill off the main, mm. yeah. the main star of the film. But the fact that they, did, they did it 36 yeah. years before is amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Like like Robbo said, that uh, Janet Lee plays the or what we thought would have been the the main character, mm-hmm. and uh, she gets killed off halfway through, and then uh, it's her boyfriend and her uh, sister played by Vera Miles. But 
once she's killed off, like I said, the boyfriend and the sister go in and with um, Martin Balsam, uh, they go and uh, I believe it was Detective Arbogast. Yep. That's right, yeah. Try and go like Pete, like um, go around Bates Motel and just to see what's up, what's happened to her, and I, th- I think that's sort of everything covered in the plot, yeah, isn't I think it? So, yeah. But I just think this once again, it, it, I know I keep on saying it, it's just so simple. Yeah, like, mm. it's just so simple, and but that that introduced kind of that was it the first film to introduce this idea of a serial killer. Yeah, kind of the mentally disturbed. That's why. That's killer. why. That's why people say it's the well, first slasher. I mean, it's based on a book by Robert Block. Yep. And he based his character on uh, Ed Gein, who was a serial killer of that era. Um, and like I say, I think it was the first film to really sort of explore those themes. Yeah. As well. Has it ever been remade? Or yes, yes they is. made. They did. Gus Van Sant did a shot for shot remake of it, starring Vince Vaughn as oh Norman Bates. God. Yeah. But Anne like, Hesh was it? As, yeah, Anne Hesh. Yeah. yeah, but it's nineteen. It was nineteen ninety eight, and it was a shot for shot, same dialogue. Much, exactly. The only exactly. difference in the only difference yeah. between this movie and the original is in the scene when he's looking at her through the shower, he starts wanking it. So in I the bet Hitchcock in the new spinning one. in his grave. <laughs> yeah. Was it panned or was it like? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it was. yeah, think, yeah. Well, this thing. I I watched it. I enjoyed it because it's it's basically cycle. But I was like, there was no yeah. need for this to be made. No. And it didn't have the sort of Hitchcock sort of charm to it. Um, but did have different score in that? I'm guessing as well. No, it's the same score. Herman, Bernard Herman. Bernard Herman, uh, yeah. yeah, score which adds yeah so much one to the one of the most iconic scores yeah. of all time. Um, um, but like I said, it's just such a simple plot, but yeah. it almost goes into like the human psyche as well. Because obviously, um, Norman's sort of his his motive for doing it is his his mother passed away, but she killed mm. uh, she killed his father. Because uh, he cheated on her, I believe, and she was very protective of her son. And once she died, he didn't know how to live with himself, so he sort of decided yeah. to become his mother himself. So one, yeah, it gets explained at the, yeah. at the end. But um, so you got one half Norman, one half is his mother, and then eventually over time, his mother completely takes over. Yeah. And obviously, in the scenes when he kills us, because he starts lusting after. Um, Marion yeah. doesn't he yeah. and that's when he, he his mother takes over him and he sort of yeah, he then kills on the famous shower scene because that's the thing I, I love how Hitchcock sort of hides the killer as well mm. like maybe yeah. now, maybe nowadays because we're used to that sort of smart writing yeah. we, we can yeah. understand like maybe that what he's setting up but at the time I mean you wouldn't ha- no, have a clue at until yes. the end would you um, it's like an easter egg I, I'd assume but it's in Halloween. Sam Loomis is named after. Yep. Yeah. Sam Loomis from yeah the hardware store. Yeah. So yep. Yeah. The boyfriend. Yeah. He was it. Didn't didn't he was he he was in debt, wasn't he? Sam Loomis. He working at a hardware store. Marion's lover. And the 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 idea was that she stole the money so she could pay off his debt so they could be together. I think oh. that was the whole idea. But again, I think this this film its influence on just the whole horror genre or the the whole genre of that mm. you know is mm. apparent because it's obviously influenced so many other films as well mm. and it's, it's been like parodied and yeah. paid homage to mm. and so many things well, the shower scene's even been in the Simpsons song yeah. the, the, shower, the <laughs> yeah. shower scene's been in like Shrek <laughs> it's, in, it's in like one of the Halloween mm. episodes it's so yeah. obscure chocolate uh, sauce <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
The, they use chocolate sauce, sauce for the blood. blood so oh, she, really? They, how she's chocolate films, sauce. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Films better under black and black white. And white yeah, I, I think I did see something yeah. about her. So there's lots of uh, lots of things like but that. But no, like I said, I, I think it's his magnum opus. I think mm. it's his yeah. best work. And it, it, I mean, he did struggle to get it made because did, because yeah. the subject matter, the studios. Yeah, I think he had to finance it himself. Well, think about it. this was so That's ahead well. of his time. Mm. Like it's it's a it's a once again it's, it's it's 18 years before Michael Myers. There's, a, there's so. a film starring Anthony Hopkins as Hitchcock. I think it's called Hitchcock. And it, it basically deals with the making of Psycho. Yeah. Um, I think I have seen yeah. I think I've seen it in the background at home. Because obviously, my mum was. Thank Scott Johansson mm. plays Janet Lee. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's yeah. worth watching that just to, for the, the background mm. stuff for that. Because I think he had to mortgage his house to actually finance the film as well. Did it, did, it must have done well. Then, yeah, it did, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> he, got, he, got, he got another house Bent on top up. of that after. Yeah. But no, yeah, it's, just, it's so iconic and what it did for... Like, once again, it basically created a genre out, out of his own sort of... <laughs> but I was, you know, just created a genre out of yeah. thin air, you know, sort of thing. So, yeah, that's why it's on my list. And, and once again, we've been privileged enough to see it in the cinema. Yeah. Mm. I think it was the the original theatrical yeah. version as well. It was like an extended version of yeah. it, and in 4K as well. Yeah. So ultimate edition. <laughs> <laughs> Director's commentary. Zack Snyder's Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so yeah, it's yeah, Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's one of the best movies ever made, and I mean, if all you need to go, all you need to say is if it's Alfred Hitchcock's magnum opus and of course it's going to be one of the best movies ever made mm. so the guy was an absolute genius and one of the best directors ever made and he was the he was known as the um, John Carpenter was the master of horror he was known as the master of suspense and yeah. this movie has it in bucket loads also normally with horror horror films the, the first one's brilliant and the sequels are shit I actually think the sequel is really good and I think the third one's really good the fourth one is like a made for TV movie it's sort of, it's just um, Norman sat there going through his life sort of thing. But I think oh. if you actually see the, because it carries on the law, it carries mm. on. Even though it's not directed by an, uh, by Hitchcock, has very same Hitchcockian sort of feel to it, and it just carries on the law. Was this itself. his first sort of big thriller, or did it? No, did he, he do like the birds did, before that? Or was... uh, birds was nineteen sixty three. He started in the twenties. And he'd been doing movies for years. Yeah. I think Stranger on a Train was before that. Um, North by first, Northwest. I think his first big, what brought him to Hollywood was 39 Steps. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's which what was like in the 40s. But yeah, he had, he had loads. Yeah. He had like North by Northwest. He had like Vertigo, mm -hmm. Rope. And all, he done really loads. The guy was an absolute genius. Yeah. How many move, How many just quality movies There's he made. So many of like iconic names. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the guy was an absolute genius and one of the best easily one of the best directors ever made so that's why it's on my list he appeared, appeared in every one of his films as well he did yep yeah. did he yeah. yeah he was like the Tarantino <laughs> yeah. yeah just cam cameo yeah. so yeah I believe the cameo is is Joe and um, uh, Janet uh, Marion she's leaving town yeah as the boss walks past you can see him like walking in the background it's like, like a zebra oh. crossing yeah, yeah. Or something yeah it's not like walk, yeah. It's, it's easy to spot because it's just fucking and it's Hitchcock walk, yeah. you've got a yeah. bold egg just walking across <laughs> black <so>. suit and tie <laughs> I don't think he ever changed out of that <laughs> man slept in yeah. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right so yeah that's why it's you've, on my list you've got another one haven't you have you got three more no I think, I think that's that's Isn't it? 
I think that's me done now. Yeah, I've got I've got one more, and I, I, think, it's, yeah. I think it's all right. the same. So this is coincidence, I think yeah. as well. Yeah, but I think all of our last one is 1982's The Thing, another Carpenter film. First off, it just is the best whole movie ever made. Yeah. That's I just thought I need to get out of the way. Um, oh, I don't have that one. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> so, I'll just right. I'll just do the uh, details. So, yep. directed by John Cat, written by Bill Lancaster, was actually the son of Burt Lancaster. It's based on a short story called "Whose Goes There" by John W. Campbell. It stars Kurt Russell. Uh, oh, Kurt Russell. Keith David. Wilf- yeah, Keith David, Wilfred Brimley, uh, Richard Dysart, Charles Hallahan, oh, Peter Maloney, Richard Masser, Donald Moffat, um, and although. It's it's seen as a remake of the fifties one. It isn't technically it's technically a sequel. Yeah, it is, because yeah. in the fifties one, what happens is a, a UFO lands in and the Antarctic. They actually go out and they destroy the UFO whilst trying to get it out of the ice, and then they discover this alien frozen a block of ice, which they accidentally thaw out. So in this version of it, that's already happened. Yeah, and you see the block of ice as well. Yeah, don't you? exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this. It's based in Antarctic Research Station, American Arctic, Antarctic Research Station, uh, but it was actually the Norwegians who found the thing, thawed it out. Um, so the film actually opens with this helicopter basically chasing this sled dog, trying to shoot it, and this dog runs into this American Antarctic Research Camp. Um, they accidentally shoot one of the um, scientists there. And the Norwegian, I think it's the Gary who's the head of the, or the he's in charge. Yeah. He shoots one of the Norwegians, and the other one accidentally blows up the helicopter. And it turns out that this sled dog isn't a dog after all. It's only described as the thing. And mm. unlike the fifties one, in the fifties one, it's it's an actual alien. In this one, it's more close to the actual book, where it, it's, it's just a thing, isn't it? Yeah, what, it's, what the fuck is it? it invades you at molecular level and can basically uh, replicate you take completely take mm. you over um, it's like an assimilation yeah, yeah. essentially so you you look exactly this and so that adds to the paranoia and the suspense is because you don't know which one is mm. who is the thing and who isn't um, and obviously Kurt Russell he, he plays helicopter pilot McCready uh, he's the main protagonist there um, and he comes up with a test to determine which which one and that that in itself is a because what they take blood samples from yeah. each one and he thinks because each little part of the thing is is a separate entity that if you um what he does is basically heats up uh wire and puts it in the blood and he thinks it's going to react mm-hmm. and he goes through and the first three you think oh this isn't going to work yeah it gets to the fourth one i think it is and it reacts. It was, the, and it's the, brilliant. It was Palmer's blood. Yeah. yeah, and it was the only one that he didn't really like focus on. He yeah, was like he, he was sort of elsewhere, yeah. and then it actually he was yeah. too busy focusing on like child's yeah. windows. So that yeah. is kind of a jump scare there yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, it's um, you know the Wilfred Brimley plays one of the scientists. He gets a bit paranoid, goes a bit crazy, <laughs> smashes up <laughs> yeah, like smashes the up communications room. because. Goes in notes as well. Yeah, yeah. he realises that they can't ever let the thing escape because it it will I think takes take over the world within a couple of weeks or something. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a brilliant film. Uh 
the end of it, essentially, the camp's been destroyed. There's two, two of them left. That's McCready and Childs. Um, you don't know if they're. And no. I don't know. I think Carpenter said that he had an ending. He yeah. know he knows what it is. Yeah, he yeah. said that they're both human. But I think that if you just take that away. I mean, there's lots of theories in there that, yeah. that you can see the breath on yeah. one and. Yeah, we've um, got the breath, you got the eyes, they you basically got, share one of them's bo- like drunk, like gasoline or something. Yeah, he reckons that the whiskey is actually gasoline. Um, I think Carpenter said as well, obviously Dean Cundy was the... Cinematographer. Um, yeah, that it's something to do with the eyes that you can tell. Yeah, like, like, there's no reflection yeah, or something. Or something yeah. like but what, 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 it, by taking away the scene, it adds to so yeah, well, yeah. you know. Can you imagine if he put that ending in, like... Yeah. Um, it would never be. It would never just leave you. It, like, it creates wow. discussion, doesn't exactly. it? Exactly. You know, everyone can have their own different theories yeah. about it and whatnot. And it's just such good. The t- thing you said about Wilfred Brindley is probably one of my favourite shots in the film when yeah. he's lo- when they've locked him in that room yeah. and it's just the, you can see his head through the noose. Yeah. 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 Like, when are you yeah. letting me out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think that's just such um, a funny. Yeah. Rob Bottin created the creature effects again. All practical effects um, and I think even that stands up today you can watch that's not aged at all and that's why Hollywood needs to use actual practical effects or chest bursting scene 100% not the alien one obviously but when when it takes um, Copper's arms off one of the best jump scares in history you're you're expecting him to sort of resuscitate Mm. I forgot who it is nor is it Norris? Yeah, yeah, Norris. He's yeah. going to bring him back, and then his obviously his yeah. chest opens up, and then I think they used to like a, they used a amputee like yeah. a stunt double for they that. Did. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that scene after obviously the 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 main thing that comes out of Norris is like the big. Yeah, I think that's the most iconic looking yeah. one. Yeah, hundred percent. All. Yeah. But, but just uh, once again, like we said it with every single film, this film is so simple again. Mm. And once again, John Carpenter just knows how to take these simple premises and execute them just so well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's if you uh, split it down or like break it down, it is just a, it's a monster. But you could also do it as like this, mm. it's like an imposter film where you, you don't know it's, it is Among Us the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't know who it is, no, who exactly, done it. Yeah. But it's not like a who done it once. It's like everyone could be it. Yep. Yeah, that's not. Oh uh, well, yeah, I mean one right. So you got it's, it's in Antarctica. It's in a research facility in in the middle of nowhere. One that creates isolation, mm-hmm. and it makes you have that sense of paranoia. And throughout, as as more people are being picked off, everyone could be the but thing, and no one could be the thing yeah. as well. It's, it's just, a monster film, but there's no defined monster because no, anybody no. could be the monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what's, what's great as well is, is just the, as the film goes on, each character's break down even more. Mm. They get more paranoid and they actually start mm-hmm. sort of arguing and 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 sort of um, infighting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that it just adds it just adds to the overall paranoia. You're like, yeah. Oh fuck! What? How? What's going to happen? You know? It's another layer to it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. There's, there's a scene in there where they basically they abandon McCready outside because yeah. they think he's the thing, mm. and. You know, and that's kind of the paranoia that and it builds. The scene where he's like holding them off with the stick of yeah. dynamite. Yep. Which was mm. actually real dynamite. And they didn't realise all. <laughs> um, amazingly, this was absolutely panned. Yeah. It, it didn't do anything. But absolutely overshadowed by ET. E. E. It, yeah. it was <laughs> described as one critic as the worst film ever made. And I think because it came out in '82, like you say, I mean, you have got films like Blade Runner came out at the same time. Yeah, that, I think that Blade Runner was the well. same day. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think it's because E.T. offered more like an optimistic yeah. view of the world. And it's a kids' than, movie as well. Yeah. Kids mm. go mental <clears> for their movies. But this no is kids like, seeing the thing, are they? No. I think America was in the middle of a recession at the time, so people looking for a bit more optimism rather yeah. than sort of nihilistic views of the future. Yeah. But it found a whole new audience on, on home video, and it's, it's since been reevaluated as one of the best science fiction horror films ever made. And I think that's. Oh, no, it's one of the best. It's yeah. on my top five. It's one of yeah. the best movies ever made. Just is. Did uh-huh. spawn a sequel in 2011, yeah, which was a, a pre a prequel in 2011, yeah. which again didn't do very well. That's I think down <clears throat> to the CG. Yeah, I, I think if yeah. they had practical I, effects, it, I agree. it would still wouldn't be as good. But I don't know whether they so were more. hoping to maybe franchise the thing mm. and make a whole load of films about it or whatever I don't know well I heard they, they plan on doing a sequel so the, the, remake, I think it's yeah. a remake of the 82 yeah but they've not said Why? anyone they've Why? not said a director they've not said if um, oh it's going to be Blumhouse isn't it uh, it's Bl- I think it's Blumhouse Blumhouse at the moment their, their main focus is the Five Nights at Freddy's horror movie <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're, they're trying to tackle that that's yeah. eight years in development hell I think John Carpenter came out and said that initially he was going to be involved in in the remake, but then he he said he wasn't. Yeah, well, his Blumhouse was going to be David, David Gordon Green again. <laughs> yeah, because Halloween Ends was so brilliant. Wasn't I just it? think they're gonna. I I don't think Practical is going to be a thing. No, unless they get a director. If they got like a director, like I don't know, for example, James Mangold, who cares heavily about the original source yeah. materials, mm. no. especially with MD. Because the original, yeah. the original novel that it was based on, they've actually found a different version of it with additional chapters, and that was kind of going to be what the new film was going to incorporate oh. elements of the fifties and the eighties, and also new stuff. So it's literally that's the author's cut. Yeah, Jack <laughs> <laughs> Snyder. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, I'm going to put it out there now. Sam Raimi's the thing. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Sam Raimi would be perfect for this film. I genuinely could oh, see that. Apparently, in 2005, the Sci Fi Channel planned a four hour miniseries sequel produced by Frank Darabont. He oh. did. What did and it was going to follow. Shawshank, he then Shawshank yeah, as well. It was going to follow a Russian team who recover the corpses of McCready's childs and childs, as well as remnants of the thing. Um, and it, the story moves forward 23 years where the thing escapes in New Mexico. And it was never produced. Hey, you want some tequila? That doesn't sound too bad to me. No, it doesn't. No. But you know it could be. Yeah. But if it was Frank Darabont, did you say 2005? Yeah. So he did The Mist in seven, didn't he? Yeah. So I think it would have been all right. Yeah. Because I thought The Mist was quite good. No, he's a good director. Like I said, he done Shawshank with him. He was going to produce it, not necessarily direct it. Like I said, mate, Sam Raimi's the thing. Get him in. Try to think who else could do it. Mm. I don't really know. You don't really do many horror movies anymore because horror. I think horror is one of the things where it's not like it's not like a franchise where like mm. set directors go for it no. and they just pick and choose. Yeah, um, which is why they sort of vary in quality. Well, I do Ridley Scott's the thing. Yeah, James Cameron's the Would thing. That'd be too much like <laughs> Alien. Zack Snyder's the thing. <laughs> Joss Whedon's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> that would butcher it. That would be the nail in the coffin. It's a thing doing it's like always the, the sci-fi channel that are buying like all the horror, I know. horror yeah. franchises though. Yeah, it's not a good sign when they buy it with their yeah. budget of like ten dollars. <laughs> but you know, like I said, I think there's nothing more we can say about this movie. No, like it's literally one of the best movies I've ever made. It, so. I think it's the closest to perfect. They, apparently, yeah. they actually screen it every year at the Amundsen Scott South Pole Station. 
it's the oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. They're still like, fearing to yeah. be in the left. I think they're screening at this show quite a few places yeah. as well, obviously, it's 40 years. Well, tomorrow, yeah. we're going to go see it, aren't we? Yeah. So, oh, actually, yeah. actually, on Halloween itself, yeah. yeah. I got the 4K last month, yeah. anyway. So I'm yet to watch that, and that's got, that's got like, it says like three hours of bonus stuff on it as well. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think that's everything that we've yeah, covered on so. the thing, but we could talk about this for hours, couldn't we? Okay. So, Any last thoughts or comments? Or? Just that I, I love horror movies. Yeah. They're a big part of my childhood, growing up and shit, and I always love horror. So. Do you remember a horror movie that you shouldn't have seen as a child, but you did? <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. I no, I, I'm fucking capping. But obviously, we watched It the other day, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. But before... You allowed this is me. The, this is the TV Tim Curry one. Curry yeah, one. Tim Curry, Before yeah. you allowed me to watch it, I used yeah. to watch snippets of it on YouTube, and yeah. it used to scare the fuck out. I used out. to do that. Charles play. <laughs> Charles plays another one, but I remember the shower <clears throat> scene in it when he's coming through the sh- when he's coming through the fucking hole in the ground. It fucking scared me. But yeah, I probably shouldn't have watched that when I was a younger. I was like eight. I've got one, and it's like. It's probably one of my earliest memories in my head, so I'm honestly must have been about three or four. I was really young, and I, I'd been in bed, and I'd woken up and gone to see. My parent told them I couldn't sleep, and obviously my parents have thought, oh, he's, um, he won't remember this, just sitting down. And they're watching Final Destination. <laughs> and it's the scene where they're stood in front of the train track and that bit of like strange metal just decapitated. And I can remember it just sat there staring at it, <laughs> just watching some bloke get decapitated and it petrified me. What about you? I remember actually seeing the thing on TV when it oh, must yeah. have been. Can't have been. Obviously, you're from a different generation of us. Must have been probably a couple of years after it came out. Yeah. So 84, it'd have been about 11 or 12, I think. So the bit I remember is the opening sequence with the the thing, you know the yeah the, title crawl. yeah title crawl, but yeah, I probably shouldn't have seen it. <laughs> but yeah, but no, like I said, I've, I've <clears throat> horror is such a big backbone of 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 cinema itself. Um, it's probably got the most um, sort of whole lore around mm. it, and and it's the oldest sort of I, I suppose genre of movies. Yeah. Um, it obviously did the whole people think about MCU and stuff now it did the whole shared universe long before yeah. anything else yeah. in the 30, 20s and 30s yeah. so you know horror's been such a quintessential um, genre of movie yeah. as a whole maybe it's not the, the most popular now but I'd say it's quite history. I'd say it's up there I'd say probably top three horror's got to be in them people like oh, well, this, this is the thing with modern horror though it, it you don't see many flat out horror movies it's just like horror mixed with something else so yeah. I think a lot of modern know. horror they just go for jump scares yeah I think that's, they, they just which want people cheap, to jump really. it, it's a scare yeah obviously but yeah it's cheap but no I just respect the hell out of horror for what it's done like people like James Whale an absolute legend I watched, I watched the film The Black Phone recently is that with um, yeah Ethan yeah. Hawke yeah but again, it's like nothing you haven't seen before, no. and it's the same kind of themes. So yeah, I think it just. What did I? I watched a film called The Invitation. Mm. Yeah, I've seen that. Weeks, have you? Is it the one? Is it the one that came out this year? Yeah. With um. It's, all right. it's like a vampire film, isn't it? It's all right. And you weren't expecting that. I, I was expecting this. This film where this girl obviously gets invited to a foreign country. Mm. I was expecting it to be like killer or something, you know? Or, or in Get Out, yeah. where she's been invited and they're sort of subtitled, but. And then it plays on the whole Dracula thing. Yeah. I thought it was actually quite good. And obviously we saw Halloween ends, didn't we? 
Yep. Fucking hell. So I've got that to come. I'm not looking forward <laughs> Good to Good luck. That. Not from what I've yeah. say. Um, but no, like I said, it's always one of the best ever. I think Halloween Ends is meant to kill the franchise. To <laughs> should have been Halloween. any other films being made after it. it should have been called point. Halloween Killed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think they're doing. So, but no, I think yeah, I think we've said our words. Okay, how oh, haven't we? We, we? We'll love it. So all that's left for me to do is thank uh, our guest Soup. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank Cheeto. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Hope to uh, see you soon. Thank, thank you. you. See ya. Bye. Thank you.